What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 31, season 5. My name's Jim Icavone, and I'm joined by the one and only Jack Smith and boy wonder Travis Ballinghoff. If you're not listening live, please make sure to subscribe, follow, and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. If you are watching live, say hello in the comments. And if you have not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, be sure to do so. If you want to check out our site and maybe buy some merch, while you listen to the show, you can head on over to hwhockey.net or find all of our social media links in one place over at hoo.be forward slash hwhockey. All right, boys. Uh, so I got to say uh, maybe a my bad before we start this show. Flyers go out and they hire their president of hockey operations. Uh, I think that was uh, about a week and a half ago now. It was... I don't know. Yeah, about a week and a half. And they named Danny Briere their general manager. They hold a big media press conference. Everybody goes, yada, yada. And we forgot to talk about it. I, like, we, even during our rundowns, we just somehow didn't bring it up. Uh, Travis had sent a text to me Sunday night with, with you know, Jonesy and Briere included in a, in a topic, somewhat of a topic rundown or a suggestion and we just forgot it wasn't a planned strategy. I'm just going to, we're just going to admit that. <laughs> Holy shit. We forgot to talk about Briere <clears throat> and Jonesy. So guys, um, I felt bad because I, I had done a mini show with uh, Hoagie from Hot Street Bullies, but I really wanted to hear your thoughts on, you know, the Keith Jones now being president of hockey operations for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, you know, he's been on a bunch of podcasts since uh, Jack, start with you first let's start with Keith Jones I mean thoughts on Keith Jones as the new president of hockey ops well first off I, this is a planned strategy that I always do I gotta let things you know sink in you know I, I don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction and everything just be like oh it's another Flyers coach Wham! you know I actually like think you know here's some things read some things and think it out that's why I gave myself the week plus Jim you did a great <laughs> job covering it the second it ended uh, as well with Hoagie. Um, I, first thing first, I, I know I like Keith Jones. I can't, I, he's a treasure. He's like a national Philadelphia treasure, even though he's not from here, but he certainly stayed, made it his home. Uh, and who doesn't like Keith Jones? Like, so you just have this feeling right off the bat. I don't want to say confidence, but I just felt like I was in good hands in a way that not even talking about the job. It's stuff kind of came out later and he, yeah, he's been making the rounds with the interviews, and I pretty much liked everything he said everywhere, starting with the press conference itself. Uh, this has been said, and I'm, I agree. I think it was a pretty well put together where they're used to botching everything or looking stupid in a way. I think the press conference with everybody was great. I liked everything everybody had to say. Um, and I don't know if you want to get into his philosophy, but – on the surface, yeah, it could be, oh, it's another Flyers, wah, wah. But when you break it down and think about what the connections he has, how long he's been around the team and how he is, yeah, maybe it's it's not it's not quite that. Yeah. So I've listened to some other shows, and uh, without naming names, there's only one that really comes to mind as, you know, really, that's, that's really put any sort of negative spin on it. And uh, who was it? No, I'm you know, I'm not that <laughs> he not, called you out. Those those who listen to all the Philly Flyer podcasts probably already know who it is. So I don't I don't need to do that. You know what I mean? But um 
I, I love the hire for so many reasons. Uh, Trav, I would like to hear your thoughts as well on the hiring of Keith Jones. Uh, cautiously optimistic. Um, I wanted a guy with experience just because you look at Danny Briere, rookie GM, would have rather, you know, someone who's been around the block, who's built some winning teams in the past. Um, Wilson from the Sharks was the guy I wanted most. Um, but then you think about it and it, it's like, well, Jonesy's watched every Flyers game for the past X amount of years. You would, you would hope he knows, you know, what's wrong with the team. And that's a big thing, in my opinion, that this is going to work. And also, this point's been made on a couple other shows. Um, he has a different relationship with people around the league that most people do not. Um, being a national broadcaster, they have different types of conversations with the coach um, before games. And you kind of find out different information that most people don't have in them kind of meetings. And I think that's – he kind of has a head start on, okay, this coach doesn't really like this guy. This coach doesn't like that guy. This guy might need a change of scenery. Maybe, Danny, we can pounce on this. Torts, what do you think? I think those things are going to be really important. So cautiously optimistic. He wasn't my first choice, but I'm excited for what's going to happen. Yeah, I like that point you made too. I hadn't thought much about that, but I uh, caught wind of it a bit. Didn't understand exactly how, but um, if there is a situation where they can take advantage of another team based on inside information, or at least be the first to get there and you need this team, they really are, some kind of a splash whether that's trading Provorov or Konechny or even Hayes like they're waiting for that first splash and to have inside information on something like that that gives them an opportunity to really do something like that and you know get rid of a lot of any negative remaining thoughts about the two together it sounds like they're going to be this collaborative unit you know not just those two like uh your your girls in it Jim yeah, I love Val. Yeah, Val. I've, the name took <laughs> my mind. Thanks for bailing, bailing me out. Yes. Yeah, Val's going to be in it, and I'm, I'm not sure exactly. The I guess Dan Hilferty or whatever. But um, I don't know. I just I feel – I do feel better about this overall structure of what we're seeing on, to unfold compared to what it has been in years past. I, I don't know. It's refreshing in a way. I guess the whole new shade of orange thing, it, it kind of rings true so far. We'll see. Yeah, I hope so. I feel like at the very least, Keith Jones brings an honest, genuine, uplifting, positive energy to an organization that has somewhat lacked this type of uh, person in a leadership role. The last I can't even remember. Um, he's an enthusiastic guy, and uh, I think he knows his stuff on top of that. Like the. Like I, I get, the, I get the points that people make when they say, "Oh, they just plucked this guy out of broadcasting. What does he know about being a president of hockey operations?" Well, what does a president of hockey operations actually do? Do these people know? Like, they already have the GM, right? So they don't, they don't have to worry about. And the, so the Flyers have talked about this: that Danny Briere is the GM; he makes the roster decisions. Right. It's going to be a cohesive effort. Everyone's going to, like you said, Jack, everyone's going to have their, you know, little thing that they're, they're chipping in with. 
the impression that I get is that Jones, Jones is going to kind of be the link between, you know, people, you know, cause he's that kind, he's a people guy. He's a link. He, he's, he's a link in a chain um, where, you know, Briere's telling him this, he's got to go report back to this guy. This is how he's going to tell it to this guy. Whereas maybe Briere and Hilferty can't talk because they don't understand each other kind of thing. Briere's a hockey guy. I'm just saying Briere's the hockey guy. Hilferty's the business guy. Maybe Jonesy's a guy that knows how to talk to both kind of things. That makes sense. Um, I think, um, uh, my bad. I mean, no, go ahead, Travis. Sorry. Kind of going to your point. Like what does a president of hockey ops do? Well, I think every team kind of does something a little bit different, or at least a lot of them. Sure. We're going way off the board or trying something completely different new. And you know what? <laughs> Maybe it works. The Flyers were the first team ever to have an assistant coach. They were the first team ever to have a, uh, a video coach. So why not try something new? The others have worked in the past, but um, like, like Montreal, for example, their, their president of hockey ops really is the GM. It's kind of strange. Like, if Danny Briere would have got that GM job with Montreal last year, like he wouldn't be the ones making, be the one making the trades and the signings. Mm-hmm. That's their president of hockey ops. The Phillies actually do that too. Sam folds the GM, but Dave Dombrowski is the guy who makes the trades and the signings. So I guess every team does things a little different, but you said Keith Jones is honest. I got a little funny story here. So the first time I ever met Jonesy, we we really didn't meet. I'm standing in the press box by the elevator waiting to leave. Game's over. Um, post-game interviews are done. And it's basically just me up there. And Keith is walking towards the elevator. And he walks past me. And I say, what's up, Jonesy? And he says, that was about as piss poor casual as it gets. And he walked <laughs> away. <laughs> the Flyers got killed that night. But that was the first time I ever talked to him. It was pretty funny. How long ago was this? What year? Uh, tw- it was the 21-22 season. Okay. Yeah, that's about right. Sounds about right. The whole season was just crap. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I think he knows what needs to be done. He knows what needs to be changed. And uh, I think he's a guy. So, like, Tortorella doesn't want to be talking to a guy like Hilferty. You have Jones. He's a guy that knows how to talk to Torts. You know, there's a lot of different personalities here. And, you know, another personality, another guy that we should talk about, uh, Danny Briere. I mean, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion that he was going to be the general manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. So all the interim tag coming off was all but just a formality, right? And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody was surprised when they named him the GM. And this isn't the Flyers just going out and picking a former player to be general manager because I feel like sometimes – I don't know if it's just out of spite or like that people like, you know, they like to be negative kind of thing because maybe it's funny and it makes them seem smarter. But Danny Briere is an educated individual. He, he knows the business side of hockey. Um, he's been with the Maine Mariners for several seasons now. I, I want to say it's close to five, six, maybe seven years he's been with them. Um, so he knows the business side of things. He went to the, the Wharton School of Business. I think I believe the Flyers paid for him to go there if i'm if i'm not mistaken um so not that they so much groomed him to potentially be in this position but it's you know it's it happened and uh like you mentioned trav montreal wanted briere to be their gm um and the flyers they liked him so much they saw the potential there they said ah we'll make up a position for you 
to keep you here. And in my opinion, if you're going to do that, like the guy's got a chance to take a general manager job and he, you know, you made up a position for him to, to come to your team to keep him. He's got to be your GM at some point, right? There's no way that happens unless you tell him, you know, there's going to be a job for you. Um, and lo and behold, he's the general manager. Trav, we'll start with you first on this one. Danny Briere, new GM of the Philadelphia Flyers. You like it? I think I think he's going to be the next great GM. You look at Eiserman, you look at Sackick. I'm putting Danny Briere up with them guys. He's going to be the next great GM. I really do believe that. I've talked to him a million times. He knows the game. Um, he's the good blend of eye test and analytics and old school and new school. Like he has everything. And um, yeah, I mean, it's not really a surprise that he's the GM kind of going back to that, whatever, everything you said, excuse me. Um, it just seemed like a foregone conclusion. And then Hilferty kind of talked about that, like <laughs> working with Danny B for a couple of weeks, he knew right from the jump, like this is our guy. And I completely agree. I think he's going to do great things for us. Absolutely. I'm Jack. pumped up. You are. Damn. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm very happy as well. Like I just, I just, there was an interview, I think it was on the Flyers website. And they, they, at some point the reporter fly out kind of asked about, are you guys going to trade and try to turn us around quick? And he kind of had this awkward reaction, like almost an eye roll, but like a, yeah, we're going to do this the right way. We're going to build through the draft. I remember being like, yeah, he knows what's up. <laughs> he, he's he's going to – he's not going to sugarcoat it. You know, he just went, yeah, sorry, it's not happening. And they got to have to build it right. They can't they can't take any shortcuts. We saw what happened when they did that. So, yeah, the, I, I, I mean, I love to hear that. Uh, Keith Jones actually brought up Sackick in a separate interview as well in the same capacity. So, yeah, that would be – that would be ideal. And I feel like we're owed in a way, to be honest with you. And, and you know what, going back to Jim's former flyer point, I think it's a good thing we got some former flyers in here who were here when Ed Snyder was alive and running the show and knows what it takes to be relevant in this city. Let's be honest, the flyers have kind of gotten irrelevant. Oh, yeah. they, they don't put, or they don't uh, really talk about them on NBC Sports Philly. They don't talk about them on the radio. Because the average Philly sports fan just doesn't really care about the Flyers. It sucks, but that's just how bad things have gotten. So have a couple of former Flyers in there. I think it's good for the team. And you know what? Chuck Fletcher had no ties. I I do kind of understand why people are pissed off just because of everything we've kind of found out over the years about Homer and Clarkie and Bill Barber kind of having more say than they should. So I do kind of understand people's frustrations, but I think you tweeted it out like maybe it was the day of the – press conference um everybody should kind of be viewed as themselves not oh he's a former flyer and you know what you kind of look around go on nhl.com and look at every team's front offices they all have former players in there the flyers aren't the only team that does this it is unreal how many former players it's like the next generational step and they're all over even even like a guy like brodeur if he, he was like in st louis you know it doesn't matter he's still in the game you know, well, Brodeur's back with the Devils. You look at that's what I'm uh, saying. They, they'll go anywhere, and then they wind up at Hextall did it, went to L.A., yep. came back. And, the, yeah, so – and I totally agree. Not to mention, a lot of the guys before that we were talking about, like they were kind of like a lot more old-school flyers. You know, Holgram, Clark, obviously, Barber, which we found out about. Even Hextall played – you know, started in the 80s. You know, when Briere and Keith Jones were here, like Keith Jones – the 
90, very end of the 90s, early 2000s. Briere was here a decade later. Like, and they didn't start here. They were elsewhere before, and they just fit, pretty much finished here. I know Briere went elsewhere, but came back. I, I feel like they have more of an open-mindedness to the new age game and other ideas and being their own person and not needing to constantly ask for advice or you know, be overtaken by somebody else's pressure to go a different direction. I feel like they are, like Jim said, like they are who they are. They just happen to play here, and we're going to see the individuals and what they're capable of. I feel comfortable doing that with these two guys. That's why this feels pretty good, and uh, there's a sense of comfort in that. For now, anyway. <laughs> it's like, you know, Philly's just a different sports town than most in the country. And I think you have guys like Danny B and Keith Jones who have lived it themselves and they know what it takes to be successful in this town. They could kind of offer tips to players, whether it's how to handle the media or maybe something as simple as effort level on some nights. Like they can kind of give tips to them guys about what's going to happen if, you know, your, your performance isn't up to standard. Yep, exactly. Um, so I also think, you know, there seems to be a plan in place and everybody's on board with the plan, even John Tortorella, who, you know, it's funny because he's always thought of as sort of like that, that finisher coach, you know, you have a team ready and you hire a Tortorella. But I think we need to maybe change his, how we perceive him a little bit because the Flyers are going rebuild here. Um, according to Keith Jones, he was on a podcast episode uh, with Frank Saravalli. I think it was called Frankly Speaking with Frank Saravalli. The One of the lines that caught my attention was, it depends on the players. The rebuild's going to go as fast as the players want it to go, you know? And I thought that was interesting. So, um, man, where, where did I start with that? Oh, with Torts. So, Torts is here for four years. You know, the first year was changing mentality, you know, getting the Flyers to play like actual hockey players, look like an actual team, and that's what they did. Now, year two sounds like, okay, we're going to tear it down a little bit here. No one ever said to the studs. I found it interesting that during that interview, Jones actually said they're not going to do what Chicago did. They're not going to, you know, purposely tank. You know, they're, they're going to – it sounded like they're going to try to – I don't want to say try to win games because if you're rebuilding and I don't know, maybe they are going to try to win games. I don't know, but they're going to try to rebuild and not tank. It sounds like um, long story short. So Tortorella is going into year two. What does year two look like? You know, what kind of offseason moves can we expect? Are they just going to be shedding salary kind of thing, accumulating picks? Um, sounds like that's what they're going to do. Um, go check out. I just put out a quick article. I kind of summarized Jonesy's interview with Frank Saravalli. It's up on the site, hwhockey.net. A lot of good stuff on there. Um, I think for somebody like me, who when I hear the words rebuild, I shudder a little bit because I'm like, oh my God, I'm not sitting through this. But when somebody lays out a plan and it's like, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're looking to do. This is what we want to do. It's like, all right, do these things now. I'm, I'm on board as long as I know the plan. Whereas, and I know, you know, the, the argument is Hextall didn't rebuild. We didn't know what the hell he was doing, right? It was like, okay, they're drafting a lot and they're not really getting any good players. <laughs> and meanwhile, Claude Drew and Jake Voracek are kind of just floating around the team. Wayne Simmons, yada, yada. So I think during the later years there, people grew frustrated. 
Now, okay, we're going to do the rebuild thing for real. I'm okay with it as long as I know what, you know, what the steps are. And it sounds like it's, it's by the book somewhat rebuild. You know, during the later years, they want to make sure they have the cap space, which comes when you draft younger players and assign them to cheaper contracts. So, it, you know, I, I'm like, okay, they, they do know what they're doing. Let's do it. Uh, I guess I'll sit through it kind of thing, you know. Um, Jack, have you, if you haven't listened to that, I bet it would be music to your ears if you listened to that quick interview. It was yeah. pretty good. I mean, I've been picking up things here and there, but yeah, I mean, you know how I am. But see, there's there's more to it than that. And I feel like Briere is more likely to do it. We heard about Hextall. We didn't see anything and what a rebuild should be and all that stuff. You know, I think they're going to do it right in the sense that they are. They, there's If they make enough moves, they could be worse next year than they were this year, believe me. I think that's possible. I think that's in the cards. Um, but I would like to see them over time ultimately – have the young guys step up. It's not just adding talent. Now these guys got to prove that they can play and then you can add the complimentary pieces. In the meantime, they're, I would like to see them add veterans on very short term deals. One, two at the max, no deal. We at four years, mm-hmm. um, you know, guys, you can flip at the deadline. You can still field a roster an ice a team. You know, you can still be somewhat competitive. So you don't have that losers mentality. And then at the deadline, you're flipping these guys. So you're still racking up high picks multiple picks and then when you have a really nice core and they've already seems to have some nice pieces but they're, they're still years away then you can start adding the complimentary pieces hopefully you hit on a real stud at some point and that you know you can the f- more guys that are good is going to go and on top of that if you're getting that many more picks on guys you really don't need well you can really make this thing go quickly and have a hell of a lot of prospects to work with so that's i think they feel that way i think they see it that way it's not the old school mentality of we're just going to lose out and wait this out so you know and then we'll see what they do with some of the contracts that that one i'm curious about for sure absolutely so real quick because uh i want to get i want to knock out some of these topics before uh, marco joins us i, I just messaged him and, and told him uh maybe give us another 15 minutes so we'll see but all right so let's let's move on a little bit so we talked prospects there for a second Cutter Gauthier, I believe, is now up to seven goals, six or seven goals in seven games played in this international tournament for the United States. Have you guys seen any of his highlights? Because <laughs> I know it's hard to watch the games. A lot of times it's during the, the morning, during the week. Yeah, yeah. saw Have some you, highlights showing yeah, off looks, the wrist shot. Looks good, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. I don't know how good France is, but he looked good in that game. So I thought the same thing because people, you know, that it was nice to say, okay, he's scoring, you know, he scored a goal against Germany or whoever, um, but then you know the hat trick and he had an assist against France and like yeah, I mean hat trick's a hat trick, but it's you know it's France, right? But yeah. uh, you know people start starting to get a little silly and expectations are starting to go a little crazy. So uh, I want to ask you guys, uh, does Gauthier have it? And by it, I mean, can he be a star in the NHL? Because I'm just watching him. I mean, I know the level of competition is, you know, not the same as the NHL, but he's very smooth and very quick. He's he's got an NHL shot already, I think. I'm intrigued by Cutter Gauthier. I want to know what you guys think. Trav, you want to go first here? Yeah, to answer your question on if he's a star, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um 
it'd be cool if you know somehow we're able to get a franchise center in one of these upcoming drafts, whether it's this year, next year, whatever. Just so, just in case he doesn't turn out as a center, you can have him as a two C or maybe a first line winger. Like that, that would make me feel a lot more comfortable. I, I don't know. Um, I think Russ Russ Cohen was on a couple of weeks ago and saying eh, he didn't dominate at the college level, like some people are saying. And I agree with that. And hopefully he does this season. He'll be a year older. I think he's going to have uh, a better team over there. Um, we, we've seen him at, uh, I think it was development camp. His shot is as advertised. He's got an NHL shot already. The rest of his game, I don't know. I haven't seen it enough. All right, that's fair. Jack, you I mean, want to chime in on Carter? You know how much I like Cutter going into that draft. I didn't actually think they wind up with him, but that's the way things turned out. Um, going back to Travis's comment about Russ Cohn saying he didn't dominate. Well, I had brought that up either last week or the week before and said that I um, was going to look more for that because there's a difference between dominating and just being pretty good. And I see these games here and it's kind of like, <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance because the, <laughs> the, the competition isn't quite there. But this is what you want to see. Mm-hmm. I don't care who who's, who you're playing. You can only play who's in front of you. And that's what I want to see. So I'll take it. I'm excited. It's cool. I'm not ready to lose my shit. But I, I'm, you know, if I got if I got a you know young gun of them, that'd be great. Yeah. And I'm wondering if Carter maybe listened to our show with Russ on there. I didn't dominate. I'll show you dominate. <laughs> and he went, he went wow. over to Europe and started kicking everyone's that ass. It looks like it says slut 19. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, good, old, good old cutter Gautier signed puck. Oh, That's awesome. Okay, there you go. Um, yeah, so maybe maybe a reason to be excited. And, uh, you know, if, if this rebuild is going to be on the quicker side, cutter Gautier, uh, I think, needs to be one of those guys contributing to make sure that happens. Um, all right, next topic here. Kind of a big deal. I think maybe being not talked about enough amongst Flyers fans or Flyer media. Brad Shaw. I'm sorry? Your jacket? jacket. (laughs) I'm surprised. Yeah, nobody commented. Uh, Yeah, there's a comment in here. That jacket's legendary. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I thought thought so. Jim is a different shade of orange, that's for sure. (laughs) Um, but Brad Shaw is interviewing for head coaching opportunities and supposedly, uh, this is according to our buddy, Anthony DeMarco. And I, I think Friedman might've mentioned it he did. On, on last week's show as well. Um, he mentioned Anaheim, uh, I'm sorry, Brad Shaw was a final candidate or, you know, one of the higher up candidates for the position in Anaheim. And then more so recently we're hearing, uh, Washington. And that would suck because we like oh, Bradshaw yeah. and we don't like Washington. <laughs> um, Jack, I'm going to ask you first. After everything we heard this year, all the good things about Bradshaw, maybe the most underappreciated man uh, in Philadelphia as far as Philadelphia Flyers go. And we saw the, the resurgence, if you will, or reemergence of Rasmus Ristolainen, Cam York. Um, who am I missing? What's, the, what's Nick Sealer? Sorry, Nick Sealer. Um, <laughs> revived. Uh, <laughs> how much of a loss would it be if the Flyers lost Brad Shaw this early into Torts' tenure? Yeah, it would really suck. I, I didn't know how I feel about assistant coaches after we went through the, like the most expensive ones, you know, and now it's like, wow, an actual good one, the impact they can have. <laughs> yeah, you know, wow, now we're going to lose them. Like, come on. 
Like, you know, it would really suck. I thought about that. I'm like, no, come on, please. Yeah. Like, we just can we not have anything nice? So, I mean, I'm still holding out hope. There's a lot of names being mentioned. You know, I, I heard that, what's his name? Um, old Detroit head coach got mentioned for like three different teams Toronto, Ball Detroit, guy? Anaheim. The bald guy or the Bab- uh, Babcock? Babcock. Babcock guy. I haven't heard his name got brought up for you know three different teams. I'm hoping they go one of those directions. Also, uh, Andrew Burnett, I think is just a New, uh, New Jersey uh, assistant, right? Like, yeah. there's other guys I'm hoping would go first. Laviolette's going to go. He's in a great spot right now. Between I think I heard Columbus and the Rangers. Yeah. Like these, I think these big guys are going to go, and I think there's hope that Bradshaw will be back. But I'm a little nervous. All it takes is one. Yeah, I mean. You know, now that we have a direction, he he definitely feels like a guy that needs to stick around while they get this started over here, right, Trav? Yeah, I actually talked to a current player a couple weeks ago, and he told me straight up he thinks Bradshaw could be a really good head coach in this league. And then you hear on Elliott's show last week, he didn't he didn't mention Washington, but he said uh, the Ducks are interested in Bradshaw. That was the first place I heard. I was like, damn, the cat's out the bag. They, they know our little secret. Yeah. I've been screaming about having a power kill on the penalty kill for years. They were just so like stagnant. And they, it was like a shooting gallery on the penalty kill for years. Like, no, play aggressive, make some plays. And I mean, he, he's like the perfect fit for that. He's, I think he's a great coach. Um, I'll be really disappointed if it's Anaheim, Washington, wherever. I don't want to lose them. I can see Anaheim doing it too. I can see them kind of trying to be low key. I just, they're the team I'm worried about the most right now. Well, um, you know, because like New York is probably going to go big. Washington could go somewhat big. They got to milk OV dry, right? <laughs> like, you know, I feel like Columbus might probably go big. If they're in on La Violette, then they're probably thinking big things. So Anaheim's that team that could just low key. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. So I had this thought the other day when I heard Brad Shaw's interviewing for head coaching spots. All right, well, maybe they ride out towards here to the end of his tenure. They go through this rebuild thing, and you know they're not going to be contending, I don't think, for a Stanley Cup by year four of Tortorella, right? So, okay, Torts is the guy that changes everything. They get, you know, maybe they're in the playoffs by year four, ready to make some noise. Torts move up, moves up into management or whatever the hell, and you have your next uh, head coach sitting there right beside him in Bradshaw. Three years is a long time to wait for that opportunity, especially when you're getting the interviews now. Um, but I had the thought, man, maybe they already have their next head coach right next to Torts, you know? Um, so I just that's why I was a little bit bummed out when I'm like, oh, he's a, he's a final candidate. Like he must be pretty good already. So. Yeah, that's that kind of sucks. But um, is he a final candidate or is he just interviewing? I didn't hear that yet. I heard just yeah. interviewing. That would make me even more worried. Yeah. That, mm. yeah. Um, so yeah, okay. But yeah, I thought I thought that was interesting because they didn't really see much conversation about it. But we know that it's a big deal uh, if Bradshaw Bradshaw does choose to sign Bradshaw. as a head coach somewhere else. Um, okay, so. Some non-flyer related news. The Arizona Coyotes, the citizens of Tempe, Arizona, voted against building a new stadium. Is is that correct? And it looks like 
I mean, more likely than not, Arizona may have to relocate. And I want to know what you guys think about that. Jack, we could start with you first here. I think it's been a long time coming, to be honest. I think Gary Bettman needs to let it go. I think it sucks. Don't get me wrong. I think it sucks. But, I mean, this is like a yearly thing, only getting worse. Uh, the team's constantly in rebuild. You know, no more sparks where they reached their Western Conference Finals. You know, chain Doan days are over. And it's just not working out there. And I think the chatter of Houston is getting louder. And, um, and I'm not sure it could where else I can't think of off the top of my head, but like, I just think Gary Bettman is going to, I think he's going to do everything he could to keep him there. But at some point you're going to run out of options, I think, and you're going to have to do something drastic. And I think it could happen. For Speaking sure. Of Shane Doan. Um, we had Todd Fedorik on nasty knuckles last week and he told a story. Um, Shane Doan knew when they were moving to Glendale, it wasn't going to work. I thought that was pretty interesting because it, it's Shane Doan. Like he's the first person you think of when you think of the Coyotes. It sucks for me. I think it sucks. Um, I always liked the jerseys, and I kind of remember like when I first like started watching hockey big time, like the early 2010s. They were actually pretty good, and that that stadium used to sell out, and they'd go with the white out there in the playoffs. It was a pretty cool atmosphere. It looked like. <coughs> here's um, what here's what I think they they should do. They should, instead of relocating the team, just disband and make sure the Flyers have the first choice <laughs> pick of the litter. That I can get behind. Um, so, but yeah, it, it is kind of crazy. And then all that stuff about Clayton Keller's uh, mm -hmm. dad or, you know, his account apparently, <laughs> quotation marks being hacked. Uh, yeah, that was uh, interesting stuff. I think shit's really going to kind of hit the fan down there in these next couple weeks months uh i i can't see how players would want to sign there or play yes. there and if you know if you're already uh you know in the organization i have to imagine you can't wait to get the hell out of there so it's unfortunate because i kind of root for the coyotes when they're when they're good like when talk had them in the playoffs and whatnot i was rooting for them i think they beat the abs one year hmm. but uh if, if it's time it's time you know enough's enough there are other cities that you know will want them and uh, there'll be another flourishing NHL organization. Boys, with no further ado, let's bring in our good buddy, Mr. Marco. Oh, as I'm taking a sip, nice. <laughs> it's all right, man. How you been, Marco? You're looking good, dude. How you guys doing? All right, talking doing some good. hockey. Very good. Yeah, yeah I, I heard you talking about Arizona. I was like, oh, shit, here we go. Yeah. Um, so lots changed in Philadelphia since we last talked. God damn. Um, yeah. Danny Breer is the GM, dude. What do you think about that? I mean, I've met Danny Breer personally. So, I, yeah. I mean, I love the guy. I uh, used to play for the Canadians that uh, that one year. It was a really fun playoff uh, experience to him. Um, very intelligent, cerebral individual. Really takes his time to answer questions. Um, I'd also say a student of the game, right? Like, this is a guy you go back to his Buffalo days, like just really involved in, in most of like the back end stuff as well and dealing with GMs. Um, and not everybody that wants to be an exec is willing to go down to the ECHL to learn the ropes to then work his way up. Like that's just Danny Breer character, yep. like put forth, right? Like he didn't demand squat. He knew he had to put in the work. He went to put in the work. 
when I saw he was named interim GM, I figured it was only a matter of time before the tag was taken off. And look, I mean, I think the Flyers are in good hands with, with him on board. I think that he has a vision for what they want to play like. And you kind of have like the goodwill now that it's, it's, it's a new organization, quote unquote, with this management team. Like you're going to have some leeway. They have some players that they can move. You know, uh, Hayes, for example, could be on the move, uh, Provorov, et cetera. So they're going to have ammunition to kind of pivot in a way that is interesting. And obviously, again, a seventh overall pick this year. There's going to be some movement probably in the summer as well. I don't necessarily think that it's going to be a very long rebuild, but I don't think it's going to be a Chuck Fletcher retool either. And I think you have a, <laughs> the right guy in, 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 in the position to evaluate the talent long-term. I think that's the key. I don't think there's any quick fixes, but I think there's some good pieces already. I think that's a pretty good read. I think you're pretty accurate there with that. Uh, and that's why we have you on because you know your stuff. Um, so dude, we're, uh, you're known as the draft specialist here we love having you on the talk draft uh what do we got a, just about a little bit over a month correct to the nhl draft yes sir that's and, uh i'm really happy it's back in june again because last year in july it was just too late for a draft i know it felt like forever um so you just released your top 64 2023 nhl draft rankings post u18 edition this is from the beginning of may um so montreal's picking fifth correct fifth yeah the worst pick in the draft who do you guys want up there (laughs) i mean look if you ask fans it's a landslides pick of matvey michkov i think everybody kind of understands if you know and it really becomes a question like we all know who's going number one number two is you know arguably but less arguably by the day uh, adam fantilli and then Columbus is going to pick a center because they said so. Um, <laughs> so it's going to be either Will Smith or Leo Carlson. And then we see what San Jose does because San Jose is, you know, Mike Greer is a, a friend of uh, my colleagues as well. And he said, I'm not willing to rule out picking Michkov. I, I mean, if he's as good as he's, they say they are, he is and he's the next Ovechkin, we're not competing in the next three years. I want a superstar. Well, why not? You know? Right. And, uh, you know, they have a they also have their Russian scout that's that's very, I would say, dialed in on what's going on in Moscow. So, you know, if, if they really want him, they want him. But if it happens that they do take the, you know, the other of Will Smith or, or Leo Carlson and, and those guys go three, four, well, Montreal then has a choice. Matvey Michkov or the rest of the board. Yeah. And it's really tough because. Again, like I'm speaking to Philadelphia Flyers fans, but Montreal Canadiens fans haven't seen an 100 point score since 91, 89, I think. Who even was that? Uh, Matt Naslin. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Whereas like Philly had Claude Giroux like five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> think, think about how insane that would be to not have an 100 point score. Heck, a point per game score. Montreal has had one point per game scoring forward in 30 years. Poof. So it would be really hard to pass on a guy like Matt Babyshkov, <laughs> who's outproduced every Russian player in their draft year, including Malkin, Ovechkin, Kucherov, you name it. So it, it's, and this being on the worst team in the KHL, like it, it's very hard. But again, 
there are powers of D that are out of our control that we maybe not know about. You know, he does play for um, the old Russian, uh, uh, I guess, national army team in, in Ska. Yeah. So it there is a little bit more pull there. But I mean, no Russian player has ever been withheld, at least for long, from coming over to the NHL. So precedents would assume that he'd be okay. But again, we don't know what's going on necessarily. So... In, in giving them the benefit of the doubt because they have the access and, and, and the resources to do their homework, if the Canadians decide to not pick Matvey Michkov, well, then you get the next tier, which is the same tier that the Philadelphia Flyers are going to be picking from, which is about, I'd say, five or six guys, Dalibor Dvorsky, Ryan Leonard, um, Oliver Moore, David Rombacher, um, Zach Benson was really interesting as well. And then you might have a couple of surprises. Uh, I know Matthew Wood's been rising on a lot of, a lot of prospect boards as well. Uh, Axel Sandin Pelika is another one and the other defenseman that's, that's rising in this draft. So there's five, six guys that are kind of rotating in that spot. And obviously with the U18s, uh, some of them are playing in the world championships right now. Teams are still trying to get a, a handle on where the, where everything is, but the guys from, I'd say about, six to 11 are in the same range, but the same level of prospect that Philly got in Cutter Gauthier at fifth overall last year. Right. And, and Cutter's, Cutter's doing well, right? <laughs> like we're all watching the world championships doing really well, sniping shots. And if you can get that kind of value at seventh overall, like you're, you're, you're sitting pretty right. Whereas in, in Montreal, people are like, well, if the Habs draft Michkov at five, he's actually a better prospect than Yuri Slavkovsky, who was drafted first overall. So it's, you know, it, it, it's weighing the pros and cons. But I think I think Philly's in a sweet spot where they are at seven because they basically need the choice comes to them, and then they pick what's left on the board. There's no real hard decision. There's a, there's a group of them, and you go for it, right? So it's going to be very fun to see how Montreal, Arizona, Philly. Uh, and then Washington handle the uh, the picks from five to eight. It is, and you know, last year's draft was was I guess there was a couple trades if I if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, this year's draft, though, I mean, the talent is just overflowing, and, and like you can get a really really good player. I'm looking uh, at your list here, all the way down to like pick 15, 16, 17, 18 in Otto St- Otto Stenberg. Um, it's going to be a fun draft. I, I'm getting the sense that maybe we see a lot of maybe movement, teams trading up and back kind of thing, just wild trades because there's a lot of really fun players on uh, in this year's draft. Um, I want to ask you about a couple guys specifically here. And, Jack, if you were going to ask this question, sorry, I'm going to steal it right now. Uh, Oliver Moore, what are your thoughts on Oliver Moore? I see you have him eight, just a spot behind uh, a Ryan Leonard. <laughs> Matt, so Oliver Moore to me is is Dylan Larkin 2.0. Yeah. It's just really fun to watch this guy with the puck on his stick at full stride. Like he just attacks the offensive zone like a Matt Barzell kind of guy where it's just like you're so overwhelmed by the way he attacks on the rush that all defensemen are forced to back up. And that's where he catches them flat-footed. He's got a really good wrist shot, so he'll come in, cut the cut into the center, and then take a shot. And, you know, he may not have as flashy, you know, in terms of statistics as a Gabe Perot, a Will Smith or a Ryan Leonard for the U.S. national development team. But that's because he was holding down the second line. 
Now, to put things into context, the second line wasn't doing the work for three quarters of the season. So the U.S. National Development Team called up Cole Iserman, who's probably going to be a top three pick next year, to finally help him on, on the second line and, and produce secondary offense. And that's when he took off. And that's when you saw the playmaking ability. That's when you saw the elite uh, setup guy that he is because he finally had a guy that can finish his plays. And so you're thinking this guy can process the game really quickly and go up the ice, he can go down the ice. He could play defensively. He was their shutdown guy. Uh, the biggest knock on Will Smith is they didn't play defense. Well, Oliver Moore was the one playing defense. And so he can, he can do it all. And I feel like when you have skating ability like that, and all you really have to do is kind of fill out, he's not going to be a problem in terms of keeping up with the pace. He's going to drive the pace. So it's more a question of, How's he going to do uh, in tighter areas, less ice? Uh, how's he going to do with less time? And we kind of saw, we kind of got that answer at the U18s. Uh, very implicated all over the ice, doing what needed to be done. And he took care of the harder matchups so that Will Smith and the top line can, can shine. That's not something that goes, uh, let's say, unobserved by NHL scouts at these tournaments. They're like, hmm. Yes, these guys are superstars, but who's making them look good? Right. And so it's the guys taking the hard minutes. And that's why I really like Oliver Moore. That's a guy, like I say, he's the next Dylan Larkin. That's a guy I could see potentially falling all the way to Detroit and Detroit just being like, I, we can't pass this up. <laughs> he's I, uh, also a true center, correct? He's a true center. He's okay. he, To me, he, the way he carries the puck has to be center. Okay. And he's really good on the faceoffs too. I wanted to ask about one of the guys you just mentioned, Will Smith, because – you see, he's kind of rising on everybody's draft boards, but then you also read scouting reports. You know, he's an average skater. He's he's not interested in the D zone. Like, how big of a worry should that be for not only the teams, but the fan bases as well? Yeah, well, I mean, I would have agreed with those scouting reports in October, I would say. Uh, I watched U.S. National Development Team. I, heck, I've spoken to Will Smith a few times. I would have to say that it's something that was brought to his attention very early in the year and they worked hard at it. And there was a lot better. Like if you, there were some clips, like if you go back and look at some of the U18 uh, clips of them, there were some plays that resulted in goals from either Gabe Pro or Ryan Leonard that started off turnovers caused by a Will Smith and defensive zone. So like what changed is they realized and Will Smith told me this specifically. He's like, if I go back home losing in the gold medal again, I may I, I may lose my mind because he was part of that American team that lost in the finals last year to Sweden. So he, he's just kind of like, no, no, I'm going to do everything I can. And so he bought into that defense. He bought into really kind of playing with pace. And so the idea that perhaps the skating wasn't good was more of a pacing issue than a capacity issue. And so when they upped the pace – a pl the, the player that that hurt the most was Gabe Perot, not so much Will Smith. Will Smith was playing to the speed of Gabe Perot, whereas he started deferring a little bit more to Ryan Leonard. Ryan Leonard's a faster skater. In consequence, the play started getting faster, and it actually worked out for Gabe Perot, who would come in kind of as the trailer and finish those plays or be the guy that was down low knowing his two wingers could potentially hold, uh, hold down the center line for him uh, at the blue line or the red line. So it became more a question of strategy than a question of ability. Okay. And that's where I really like Will Smith because he thinks the game so quickly. It's such an elite pace. 
Um, that he's a center or a winger long term, I don't really care. I still see top line talent in his case. It's just a question of getting him to buy in to the overall uh, spectrum. But at the same time, if you're good, like for example, if you're going to go to a team like like San Jose, they already have their centers, right? Kutzer and 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 Hurdle are already there, so you'd start on the wing in the next two years, regardless, and learn your way. So it's something that you kind of build towards, but he's definitely a player that has improved leaps and bounds over the last six to seven months, which is the reason why he's going up those rankings so quickly. Hmm. All right. That's interesting because I think I wasn't really, when I watched Will Smith, I'm like, Oh, how's this guy a top three, four guy? How's he flying up the charts here? But you know, after listening to what you said, he talked about him pretty, pretty glowingly. And it's like, all right, he sounds like a pretty good player here. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> um, yeah. But he's, yeah. he's an interesting player to talk to as well. Like very determined, um, humble, very aware of his weaknesses. Eh? Like I'm mm-hmm. not one of those guys is like, uh, you know, uh, I didn't like this or I wasn't used properly of that. It's more like there was this specific play in this specific game that I remember. Go watch it when we're done with this. I'm and he said like I effed up bad on this play and I watched tape and tape and tape. I'm like, okay, how do I fix that? How do I fix that? And by the next game, and I remember this, the next game he was playing NCAA talent. I think it was University of Minnesota. And he did not make that mistake again. In fact, blocked the shot with, with his stick, cut the passing lane, sent Ryan Leonard off on a breakaway. Like the guy learns he's processing that game. And because they're never taught to play defense at the end, and this is not a knock on the program, but it's such an offensive driven program at the U 17 level that when you get to the U 18s, you start playing NCAA guys, international tournaments. That's when you really need to up it up a bit. So the awareness is there. The willingness to learn is there. He's going to Boston college next year. They're going to have ample opportunity to work with him. And besides He's going to have a cutter playing in front of him, right? So he won't, uh, he, won't necessarily, uh, he won't necessarily be out of place. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Well, now it makes sense why he rose up the, the, the draft rankings so quick there. He had a hell of a, yeah. a, a tournament, and you know, right, rightly so. A lot of people put him up in the top four. Um, okay, so uh, a guy – Jack, did you have anybody you wanted to bring up before I uh, ask again? Yeah, I just wanted to steal uh, Ryan Leonard. You know, I just, uh, <laughs> you know, for the guy in the leopard jacket, like there's not some kind of connection. Yeah. yeah, I mean. And why is one spot ahead of Oliver Moore? Yeah, you see, so I think in terms of top-end talent, I think that Oliver Moore has more top-end talent. In terms of overall package, I think that Ryan Leonard impacts a game in more ways than Oliver Moore. And – I would argue that slightly less than, than Smith, but only slightly. And the, so the reason I say that is Ryan Leonard was a guy who didn't know he was as good as he was at the beginning of the season. And playing with guys like Will Smith, playing with guys like Gabe Perot, who are skilled guys, it kind of forced him to get out of his comfort zone and you know, not necessarily play just a gritty game, but play a skilled gritty game. And that's where the idea of a modern day power forward comes up because he was already a heavy player, absolutely impossible to get off the puck. Uh, the, the way he goes, he would go outside inside and cut to the net with power and take a shot off and usually score. Like 
that was his motto. But this season, you kind of saw him add skill to his game, stick handling, playmaking, uh, you know, being able to be the trigger man on a power play, uh, really improve his shooting mechanics to the point where 51 goals in 57 games. I mean, it's not Cole Caulfield 72 and 57, but <laughs> it's still like one of the top single season scoring routes in u.s national development team history like he was tied in goal scoring with will smith so it's it's not like he was out of place he was doing great what i really like about him is he has that finesse but he's a he's really mean on the ice i don't i I don't want to go too far but like he's an a-hole on the ice when he wants (laughs) to be and it's really fun because that's the kind of player teams want in the playoffs where you know florida's playing carolina right now is that Matthew Kachuk is exactly that. Brady Kachuk is exactly that. Those are the players that get through the playoffs, not necessarily the season. And I feel like that's the key. However, where it's rare is when that kind of a player can have top-line talent. And I think that's what teams were trying to figure out for the longest time is, where is this guy in the whole spectrum of, is he a top-six winger? Guaranteed. Is he going to be a top-line player? Well, let's see. Throughout the season, it became more and more evident that there was potential for top-end talent. However, the, the the base seems to be, you know, a top-six winger on the right side at worst. I like the way that he plays because he can be coached in every way. He can be used in every situation imaginable. I mean, I've seen him on five-on-threes for his team and against. So it's it's a guy that could be in every situation. And... What I like the most about him is the bigger the games get, the more clutch he is. And, you know, obviously it's easy to say after he scored the gold uh, medal winning goal for the Team USA uh, earlier, about a month ago at this point. But even before then, big goals in the tournament. Uh, Hattrick, I believe, uh, in the semifinals as well. So, like, he just gets up for, for elimination games and he just welcomes it. And, look, I spoke to him personally. I asked him point blank. Where would you, you you see the teams between five and ten? And I know you, James. Like, hold on to your pants, eh? Um, <laughs> I wearing He any? told me he's looking <laughs> at five and ten. He wants to go to a big market team. He oh, doesn't wow. want. He doesn't like the. He doesn't want to be a guy that just goes off. And, and no disrespect to Arizona, just goes off to a smaller market and is just anonymous. His exact words were, "I welcome the pressure. Hmm. It makes me better." And it's an honor as a player to have pressure because it means people are counting on you. And I said, okay, where would you like to play? He's like, my two preferred destinations are Montreal and Philly. Oh, my God. Get him. <laughs> get him here. Uh, i got to be honest. That was a hell of a sell job. Danny, get <laughs> I Look, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy the way he plays, but I was more blown away by the, by the actual interview itself. It's just an individual that understands – that there's more to hockey than simply just pumping yourself. He spent half the interview pumping Will Smith and Gabe Perot. So like that to me is like, you start getting into the psyche of a player. How is he going to produce in a, in a, you know, let's call it a crunch market, right? It's, it's not easy playing in Philly, no matter what sport you're playing in. But if you can have that mentality, then, then, then maybe you can, you can handle it. And so like, that's where like general managers are going to be involved and obviously another guy going to boston college uh this one potentially and almost likely to play with cutter because i mean they're gonna have somebody on the top line um so it's it's 
you can see why there's 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 a desire there, but also that Smash Mouth style is an ode to the Broad Street way, right? So like that's that's why I could see that kind of a fit. Um, but again, like it all depends on how the draft plays out because I know that, for example, I know Montreal really really likes him, and like every Massachusetts player, uh, Kent Hughes is very good friends with them for some reason. Uh, he didn't coach. Um, he didn't coach Ryan Leonard like he coached Will Smith, but he did know Ryan Leonard. They still talk to this day. So uh, believe you me, it won't be a hard decision if they let Ryan Leonard pass. Do you think he's a center long-term? No, he actually told me he was a right winger. Okay. I, I asked him the same question because I'm like, yeah. listen to the center. He's like, who told you that? Huh. And I was yeah, like, I literally the NHL. He's like, <laughs> the NHL thought Mitch Barner was a center for five years. He was playing right wing. Like the fact Travis that you know that is too. cool. Yeah, connect me as well. Like yep. the fact that you would know that is cool. Good for you. <laughs> so yep. I'm wondering if, for that reason alone, if that pushes the Flyers away from that's Atlanta what I was because wondering. they're pretty loaded up. Right. I mean, right now things could change over the summer. Um, you know, Konechny, Tippett, Farabee, Atkinson, all four of those guys play on the right side. I know they were experimenting. Tippett on the play left, left though. He can play left. He, play left. He, he even told he so he played the first half of the season on the left side. Okay. So he doesn't he doesn't mind. I spoke to him about it because in I, you know I, in Montreal's context, uh, they're playing Cole Caulfield on the left side. He's a right shot, right? Mm. So they like the idea of a shooter playing on their offside because they get a stronger shot on and right. when they they cut into the inside. So I asked him about how that process would work, and he's like, "Well, that's exactly what we were doing at the beginning of the season. They just shifted us back uh, to improve our defensive game." Uh, which we were getting a lot of negative critiques on, which is why we were talking about Will Smith before. So it's it's that they, they kind of sacrificed offense for defense there, but he he has no problem playing either side. I love it. I, I'm sold. But uh, even I even I yeah. had that question. You know you're sold. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sold for a couple months now. Yeah. Um, like just hearing you describe this kid is like I'm not. I'm not going to straight up compare him to a Mike Richards or Mac a Chuck, but like when you're listening to Marco describe this player, are you not like kind of sounds like he could be describing like a Mike Richards here? Like that's exactly what he was. He was he's in that realm of yeah, he's in that realm of like a new age power forward, like the Tom Wilsons kind of guys, like the the both Kachuk brothers. That kind of he wants to be that kind of player, and Uh, I feel like he even said a rock star. Well, that's kind of the thing. He, the more he would develop physically, the more like he'd impose himself in games. And I feel like he shied away from that at the U.S. national development team level, especially internationally, because the IHF, I mean, we saw with uh, Adam Fantilli today, uh, a simple check when a guy's got his head down, incidental contact to the head and you're expulsed yeah. from the game and suspended. Yeah, he didn't necessarily want to play that game, but I think you're going to see more of that game in the NCAA. Well, good. Cause it's fun, and uh, <laughs> I like to see more. I like those players, man. Um, I, basically, what I think we're getting from this, and you know, we've heard in the past, whoever is there at five for Montreal and seven for the Flyers, they're going to get a good player. Whether it's oh, Moore, yeah, yeah. Leonard, Benson, anybody, yeah, anybody picking top fifteen, yeah, is, is going to be great. You know, I so. You know what I was guilty of is because I got so excited for Leonard, I started pumping him up, and I'm like, oh, you know what? That's not really fair. Like if they do draft, let's say somebody else, let's say a, you know, a Benson or more here, we should still be excited because 
there are, these are some really, really good, outstanding players uh, who Absolutely. can do, you know, different things. And uh, Absolutely. Know. I'd argue there, there's even, you could even add like a Dalibor Dvorsky to that conversation. That you could even add a yep. Like there's, there's a lot to be had here that, that could potentially be in the top six or top four. Like there are potential star players, uh, guys that you wouldn't have found outside the top five last year. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's good mm-hmm. value. And I feel like teams can really do a lot with, with little that they had. For sure. Well said, uh, Marco, we've had you on for just a little bit over 20 minutes here. We can let you run. Uh, if you had to predict now, who does Montreal take at five? I have to it's put you so on the spot hard. before I let you it's go. It's so hard. It's so hard. I um, Look, I've gotten intel that San Jose is strongly considering Manfi Michkov. Hmm. They're also strongly considering taking Will Smith because Kent Hughes isn't the only guy from Massachusetts, so is Mike Greer. And uh, he also knows uh, those players pretty well from his scouting days. Um, so my hot take is that Michkov goes four. I think there's a lot of smoke screen going on right now about the whole Mitchcock so situation. Too, I think a lot this is this is the same smoke screen we saw at the beginning of the season where teams were like, We're not gonna move first round picks. This draft is too good. Right. And then you're looking at the last ten picks in the first round this year and it's all <laughs> traded picks. <laughs> so I think it's a smoke screen. I think we may see a guy like Michkov go four, but if he's available on the board at fifth overall. With the way this team is going and the way that they want to build it, I would hope that Matvey Michkov is the pick. Now, if Michkov is not the pick and Will Smith is already off the board and they decide that's too risky, um, you know, for me, Ryan Leonard or Zach Benson would be my guys. Um, I just feel like when you already have a Cole Caulfield on your team, unless it's, you know, Matvey Michkov... (laughs) then you might want to go a little bigger than Benson yeah, and go with, with Leonard. And the fact that Hughes mm-hmm. knows Leonard as well and knows his game and what to expect. Like, I feel like that could make a ton of sense. Um, but the, my biggest fear is that they reach for a defenseman in a draft absolutely loaded with forwards. Uh, no offense to David Reinbacher at all. Uh, Going to be a top four defenseman guaranteed in my opinion but I just don't see the top pair upside and that's way too soon to pick a guy like that at number five. So my hope is Will Smith. The reality is probably Matt Vemichkov, which is a great reality to be in. But uh, if if the Canadians do decide that uh, it's too complicated a situation, I could see them going Ryan Leonard. All right. Let's, uh, let's hope that they don't. (laughs) Mark, I mean, Go ahead. If it could if it could work out where everybody gets what they want, I'm all I'm all for it, man. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Um, all right, man. Always a pleasure hanging out with you. It's good to talk to you. It has been a while. Hopefully, we talk uh, maybe one more time uh, before the draft, or at least before the end of the summer. Um, yeah, sounds like a plan. Yeah, everybody, uh, you can find you're still with Montreal Hockey now, obviously, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, you can find all of Marco's stuff at Montreal Hockey now. Anything else you want to plug or get out there, Marco? No, that's about it. All right, buddy. Thanks for hanging out as always, and enjoy the rest of your night. Always a pleasure, guys. Have a good night. You too, Marco. Thank you. Take it easy. There he is. Uh, Yeah. So one thing I love about Marco is he gets very, he gets in depth when he talks players, you know, when, you know, you talk to, for example, we we had Russ on. Russ is very straight to the point. He knows his stuff. He's one of the best out there. 
Marco is good for guys like me, I think, who, you know, maybe I know a little bit about these guys, but Marco gets every little detail. And if you've never seen this guy play before, when Marco's done talking, you feel like you know who he is, you know? So come draft night, you know, the Flyers draft the Oliver Moore. You know who he is because Marco filled you in. That's why I love talking draft with Marco. Uh, he's one of our, our good friends of the show. Um, you know, did you guys learn anything there? Or, you know, tell me what your <laughs> thoughts are. Uh, one thing I learned is that the Sharks are strongly considering Michkov. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I was, uh, that's a kick in the balls. So I kind of had that sneaky suspicion. Were I, weren't we talking about this on one of the past shows? Or I, I forget who I was talking about. But, but like, if you're a team like San Jose, when you're not going to be good for years down yeah. the road. Like, they have albatross, like, ball and chain contracts out there, you know, with Vlasic, Carlson, and uh, who am I thinking of? Couture. And there's one more guy. I can't remember. Oh, Burns is gone. Of yeah, Burns. Okay, Burns is gone. But, like, dude, it's going to be a while for yeah. San Jose. So they can afford to wait three, four, five years for Michkov. Um, and that would make sense. Honestly, I hope he is gone because I don't want the Flyers to have to make that decision. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna go ahead and continue the conversation. I'm gonna mute myself here. Yeah, I um, I I hope he's available when we're there because that's the guy I want. The Leonard thing's interesting because I know Jim really likes him, but I kind of heard as well this guy's a right wing. He's not a center, and that kind of turned me off because I I really think we need to go center, and I'm always for best player available. But like you kind of just look at our depth chart and where we're at as a franchise. Like I think we really need a center. So then I was kind of turned off on Leonard and then hearing him describe him like in depth. It's like, Oh man, I, I kind of really want this guy now. And then he doubles down. Yeah. He's a right wing. It's like, ah, and we are loaded at right wing, but there's a shot. There's a chance. Half of them guys aren't even going to be here by the time Leonard makes his debut. So maybe you don't think about it as much. And then uh, the Will Smith stuff. I mean, I I'm kind of on the same boat as you guys. You're seeing them rise up all these guys' draft boards, but then you read the scouting reports and it, it leaves you a lot to be desired. And I, I really liked his insight on maybe them scouting reports are a little old news. That's what it sounded like, right? Mm -hmm. I think Travis said it perfectly. It's exactly how I feel about like both players mentioned. And Marco, is he really can't lay out a player for you. I mean, I don't know how much you paid him, Jim, but he really <laughs> ranking one spot above more. It was, it was good. Well, this is a good draft, man. Oh my god, here talking about all these guys. Like my god, right? Oh my god, like there's a lot of consolation prizes in there, you know? Yeah, I'm really curious. Just out of flat out curiosity, I'm like, where? Like I could see us getting so many different players and them being good. I'm curious where they do wind up, and yep. it's just like a guy like Benson could fall. Like where does that leave us? Exactly. I we didn't even get to talk about it, Benson. Really, you mentioned. Uh, so in, in mocks leading up to, I think at least the U18 tournament, Benson was fifth for the longest time. I think we even talked about him on our show with Russ that everyone, you know, Russ has had him penciled in there for months go, uh, as his fifth overall prospect, not necessarily being drafted to Montreal, but fifth best player in the draft. All of a sudden, and Marco mentioned smoke screens, people out there, uh, think that Benson could slip and, I think, this is just my opinion, if Benson's there at seven, I think that's who the Flyers take. Uh, you know, smaller guy, hell of a shot. Uh, he's, he's got a, a motor that never shuts off. 
so Torts guy and a Danny guy, right? Like smaller stature guy. I think the Flyers maybe, if Benson's there, I think they bucked that trend this year where they picked the smaller guy that can shoot. And uh, I don't know. What do you think? I don't know a ton about the guy, but I'd definitely be interested in it. The crazy part about this draft is, yes, I could see them doing it, or I could see them going somewhere else. Yes. Like, yeah. I really can't put my finger on it. You know, it's, it, I've gotten nothing from the team outside of defense first, but there is no way they're taking a defenseman at seven. Come on. No, I think if they do that, all the good vibes are going to be instantly oh, dead. gone. Dead. Like, it would be worse – Jack, would you consider it worse if worse this year if they took a defenseman compared to taking Cam York over Cole Caulfield? Would it be worse than that? That's a good question. Because there's so many offensive I players so. that they could pick. I, I really so because there's a multiple wrong. ones. It would piss me off. It was more personal with Caulfield because he's who I wanted very badly. And then there was a whole trade back scenario where he was still there. That made it more hurtful. This there's so many good guys. It's such a it's like it's you're you come into this draft knowing forwards, 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 and you have needs at forward, and you choose defense anyway. <laughs> that would really piss me off. I'm just there's two. Look at what we just heard about all these guys right where we're picking. We're gonna have our pick of the litter from at least two or three of them, and you go to def- defense. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, I, I lean that way too, and I really like Sandine Pelica, but. As Marco said tonight and Russ said a couple weeks ago, you're not going to draft a defenseman that high who's probably not going to play on your top pair. So I would be a little disappointed. Now, if you trade someone and acquire a draft pick and then you go forward MD, I'd I'd love that. That would be cool. Haven't seen that in a while. Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was I, waiting for you to say something. I was like, blew your mind with that, that <laughs> trade idea. It was right there, and then it was like, oh, okay, no, not making it out of the mouth. Uh, <laughs> so what were you just saying? Maybe you refresh my mind. About if we took a defenseman at seven? Oh. Yeah. If the Flyers traded in and, and got another he pick? Was saying if we well, traded, I would... took a forward and then got some kind of you know connect me or whatever trade – and was able to draft a defenseman, pretty good defenseman. So, I mean, it's obviously pretty slim, but you never know. So let's mix in this, because this was kind of another thing I, uh, I wanted to mention. So, Trav, you tweeted out today that, you know, you wouldn't be surprised of a, a mm-hmm. prover of the St. Louis trade. St. Louis has a, a few picks in this first round, if I'm not mistaken. I have to go look this back up, unless you guys they know have, off the top of your head. They have 10, and then they have – um, Toronto's pick, and then they have one more. So, and it's all first rounds, right? Yes. Perfect candidate right there. So- I, I think it makes too much sense. I I heard I heard at the 2022 trade deadline that they were very interested in Provi and they couldn't get a deal done, so they went another route in Nick Letty. Um. Yeah. Trash. All, all the <laughs> all the things we've heard is that they're going to use these draft picks to make the roster better. They're not planning on rebuilding. They want to be in the playoffs next year. I just I think it makes too much sense for both sides. I heard the, I heard the coaching staff really likes Provorov. The front office really likes them. They have the draft picks. I I've been saying this for months. I really hope we can get a couple more 
first rounders. I'd be okay with one more, but I, if we can get a couple of first round picks in this draft, I'm really happy. I think it makes too much sense for both sides. Uh, I would agree with that. And so somebody else met us because I kind of, uh, retweeted you earlier somewhat and somebody was like oh yeah la i think could be in the mix and i'm like well la used to be in the mix until they traded their first round pick this year and so it would be i guess a prospect or something i would assume so here's the thing because provorov hasn't been great but it's like people get weird around draft time and when you have teams good though Right, when teams get bidden against each other, especially like this new regime, they are not going to sell players for pennies. So what I'm expecting is a deal that's going to make us going to – we're going to be surprised by it. It's going to be, whoa, like he – you know, he's going to set the bar pretty high with whatever the trade is. Could be a pro-for-off trade. It uh, could be the Hayes trade. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'll be—I'm not sure a Hayes trade is going to wow anybody. But a return for Provorov, I think, could still fetch multiple draft picks, uh, multiple first-round picks. I don't know, but I think you know people would take a first-round pick this year, maybe a second-round pick. Uh, Flyers don't have one of those, so that'd be pretty awesome deal for the Flyers. You know. All right. <laughs> they have ten. 25 and i thought they had one more i thought they did too it it might be a team that's still left in the playoffs okay so So 10 kind of feels like it's too high maybe for Provorov. no i think i also heard Provorov's value you're looking at either late first or a you know second conditional first that could become a second you know so i could 10 that's a lot yeah, let me get back in. Yeah, you kind of look at the uh, the Chikrin trade. I don't think we're getting 10 for Pro V, but where's Toronto at? Or the pick Toronto has? That's 25th to St. Louis. Uh, and they have the, the so Dallas wait, Stars pick. pick. Does, okay, yeah, it's Dallas. Yeah, it's Dallas. Okay. Who, doesn't Toronto have a first round pick? They, they traded it for O'Reilly. So they're next year then. Never mind. They're the only other location I can think of that'd be trying to trade for a Pro V. Yeah, I think like, Toronto you, you, has Boston's first round pick. I, I yeah, it, it, that, that was the Sandine trade. Yeah, so Washington traded in Boston's first round pick. Toronto has it. So that pick is um, twenty eight. That's even for them. Shit. You 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 mentioned L A. and yeah, like we heard that last off season. I lean towards no because of the Gavrikov trade, but yeah. I'm also hearing like. They're gonna have a really crazy off season. Like they, they want to make some big moves. What if it's um, Provorov and Hart, right? Because I think they're gonna get a goalie. Maybe it's Provorov oh, and Hart, and then maybe we get you know their Did top prospect, Brant Clark, defenseman. I would take and him. A, yeah, and then another prospect and a pick. And like, how how crazy does LA want to get? Want to get nuts? <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like they're going to have a wild offseason from things I've If heard. Hart and Proveroff went in a deal, Jesus, my God. So Florida takes it, a one nothing lead. All right, there we go. Uh, Who got it, Maddie? I don't know. Um, so something I was thinking about. Brent I, I saw a goal given up. I saw Toronto wanted to emulate, or maybe it was just speculation, but they wanted to pull off their own Chuck trade. Hmm. And uh, I'm like, well, wait a second. Why can't the Flyers do that? 
you know, why can't they trade a Konechny and a Provorov together and get something massive in return instead of, you know, just selling off Provorov for, you know, the, the pick 25 and a, you know, a second round pick that, you know, that may or may, may or may not uh, turn out to be fruitful. Oh my God. <laughs> Damn it. Anthony. Any I wanted truth to, to an article Marco saying that. the flyers may try and give Cole. No, there is no, not really to it. This, are we? That I'll get into it. There's no truth to it. That's a loser who's just trying to get a couple clicks on Twitter, get his podcast a couple more views, tried making something up. There's no truth to it. If, after what Jonesy said about the the blue line, for them to trade what would be probably four first round picks to sign that nine ten million dollar deal and shell out that kind of money to a winger. <laughs> Yeah, there, there, sense. there is no chance in hell. He didn't hear that from anyone. He made that up for clicks. Yeah, there is no chance. Yeah, that was unfortunate. I, I actually, when I saw that, so I get it. Like, uh, you, I think you guys know me. At least on on the air, I won't ever like this anybody like that because we're all trying to make do our own thing and make our own way. But guys, sometimes, man, just don't just don't tweet it if it doesn't or like or like go to and go to another source see if you can get three or four people to say yeah that's true you know this way ah man some stuff just seems like if it seems too far-fetched mm-hmm. just because somebody said it you don't need to put it on the internet because you know why and i'm going to give you advice here because it has the opposite effect you know it, we all want to become let's say something but when you put out garbage like that, it actually tarnishes your reputation more than anything. So just please think a little bit before you you do stuff like that. It just it bothered me a little bit. Yeah, um, the first thing that hit me was I think it's way too early in the Flyers rebuild for a Cole Caulfield. <laughs> I think somebody somebody might have tweeted that, I think. Which was, oh, come on. No, nah, maybe they didn't, Jack. I'll give you the credit. Fuck them. <laughs> Um, all right. So Ant, thanks for hanging out, buddy. It's good to see you in the comments. Uh, all right. I mean, we pretty much touched on everything. We're about an hour and 18 in. That's a quick recap of the Stanley cup playoffs here. Mackachuk's just carrying Florida. I mean, actually it's been a good series. Okay. <coughs> Bobrovsky. <coughs> yeah. Bobrovsky's really been carrying them. Both games have gone to OT so far. Florida's up two nothing. Mackachuk with both over both overtime winners. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, which is they're amazing. interviewing Brady Kachuk. He's in the stands. <laughs> is he wearing Florida Panthers gear? No, nah, he's got a white hat and a white shirt on. I can't see what brand it is. All right, good. Because you know why? That bothers me. When the brothers, you know, like the Kelseys, they go to each other's game or whatever, and they wear like, let's say, uh, Travis Kelsey wears Eagles gear or something, or Brady Kachuk's wearing Florida Panthers gear, dude. Especially if you're the captain of the auto, if you're the cat, <laughs> you can't be wearing another team's gear. Be there and support your brother. But I don't want to see the captain of my hockey team wearing a Florida Panthers jersey. You know what I mean? What you What did lie. you think of a uh, little bit different? But when Mike Richards used to wear San Francisco Giants and New York Yankees hats, that's fine. <laughs> okay, they can wear okay. whatever they want. Yeah, how about uh, what was that? Dominic Brown for the Phillies wearing a Cowboys jersey. Yeah, that went over. <laughs> that went over like a fart in church. <laughs> that was a good one. Never heard that one before. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if, if you're go support your sibling and uh, 
wear a white shirt and a white hat. I don't know. It's, some of some things irk me, and that's one of them. Um, but yeah, okay. So Florida takes the lead tonight uh, to potentially go up three nothing, which would be pretty amazing. Uh, other series is also two nothing. Vegas is up two nothing over the Dallas Stars. We had Jacob D comment in the beginning of the show. Sorry, uh, we didn't get to you, Jacob, but we were planning on talking playoffs later on in the episode. Uh, what are we thinking about the Stars' chances? Jack, you like the Stars' chances down 0-2? Not anymore. I thought that game two <laughs> loss was low backbreaking to give up that lead and lose an OT. Ooh, yeah, it's not looking good if you ask me. No. Uh, and it's unfortunate. Or, I mean, I'm watching these playoffs with – I'm just watching them and I'm enjoying them. No anxiety whatsoever. I'm not rooting for anybody. Would it be nice if Joe Pavelski won a cup? Yeah, if he doesn't, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'll have fun watching Vegas and Florida, you know? So, uh, as long as Florida wins. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I just I want it to be someone in the East that wins. Yeah. I, preferably the Hurricanes, but I wouldn't be mad if it's the Panthers. Anybody but Vegas. That's my motto. Anybody but Vegas. You don't want Nolan Patrick to get his ring? <laughs> He's just as bad as the fans out there. Is it the same rule as like in uh, baseball or whatever? If, if he didn't play a game this year, does he still get a ring? He his name wouldn't wouldn't be on the cup, but I think he would get a ring. Yeah, ba- baseball gives rings to anybody. Oh, they do. Yeah, okay, they do. Sorry. Like the guy who polishes the shoes gets a ring. <laughs> like he like that's kind of cool. Like uh, Odubel Herrera and Didi Gregorius got National League rings, wow, even really? though they got cut at the deadline. Like. Wow, yep. So they really do give him out. Huh? I remember Adam Eaton, the old pitcher we had, he got a World Series ring, and he didn't make it to the playoff roster. He was terrible. Dude, I'm not kidding you. When like Adam minor league Eaton guys the... who weren't even on. Get yeah, a came up for like uh, a stint. You yeah, know, Scott Kingery played one game, gets a, gets a ring. Yeah. Brutal. Every game I went to back when Adam Eaton was on the Phillies, he was pitching. <laughs> Look, I didn't go to like – very many Phillies games, maybe like four or five a year. Playing the Mets, <laughs> Adam Eaton was pitching every time. Like I, I can't get away from this guy. He was one but, of the uh, only pitchers I've ever seen that would get down in a game and just throw the ball as hard as he could because he's pissed. <laughs> and then he would get shelled. He would give the two one run, two run, eight runs. It's like oh my god, like a child. Yes. Sorry, I'll get off topic. Great Adam Eaton. No, here we're on topic. All right, so. We're about that time in the episode, boys. We all stocked up. We got our new packs ready. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Let's go. I'm opening. I'm yeah, sorry. I don't want to go first. I got seven of these bad boys. I opened one last week. I'm going to open the seven rest of them tonight. Hoping for autographs and jersey relics. Maybe both. Oh. Okay, we oh, got Rasmus Dahlin, Andre Vasilevsky, Kirill Kaprizov. Jamie Drysdale, Ooh. not a young gun, but it's one of them blue rookies. It might be worth two or three bucks, I guess. Are there Dry- young guns Drysdale's in those packs? Player. No, they're SP Authentics. Okay, so they're not upper deck. What? But look at this crap. This is in the same pack. Damn, you got <laughs> two of the same card. <laughs> oh, it's lame. Ah, so lame. That's some bullshit. All right. I was I was ripping through some packs today. I think uh, I have the 2019-2020, uh-huh. and I keep on the mega packs, dude. I think I put I bought like a little book. I probably here. I'll show you real quick. 
Chikrin, Carey Price, Olafson. All doubles. All doubles? Oh, dude, Very I know bad. it's a joke. I probably put, out of all these, I probably put like five cards in the book. Wow. Anyone want a Chikrin? <laughs> what the hell? Doubled, that doubled up again. Me. Send them well, over. One's blue and one's silver. Oh, there you go. But it's like, right. what the hell is the point? <laughs> it's not numbered. It's not autographed. Ooh. All right, all right, who's next? Up? All right. I'm going. I'm waiting. Go. I bought that pack. That box supposed to last me like a month and a half, last me two weeks. I was going <laughs> to It's impossible to stop. Yep. It really is. I opened all of them. By the oh, way, I don't know if we told everybody. My young guns currently. I don't even remember the one guy's name. Something Thompson, not Tage. Oh yeah, the other Thompson and Jackson Cates. And who are we? Who are we looking for in your pack? Cole Caulfield and Trevor Zegers, right? I think that's a different one, right? Oh, I think I saw 20, I'm 21, 22. 21, 22. Yeah, that's not it. Then. That would be. I'm gonna get Cole Caulfield and four first round picks. <laughs> oh, Christ. Pius Suter. Aiden. I thought he was going to be something. Aiden Hill. He's playing well. Connor McMichael. Jared McCann. All right. <laughs> I, pulled, I pulled his autograph oh, on one of these packs. Jim. You got boy. Corvette. Austin Matthews. Oh, Austin Matthews. Curtis McDermott. Duncan Keith, retirement jersey. Seth, oh, Seth Jones, Cam Atkinson, got to get that flyer in there. there oh, Tyler Pitlick, we got four, uh, oh, we got a young gun, but I can't read it because it's too dark in here. It's a Red Wing, so I'm not. Oh, I got a more cider. You're Did lying. You? It's a young gun. That's a good one. No way. That's a great one. Oh, I got. I I gotta put this down. I gotta put this down. Yeah, don't smear that. I have to go wow, get a, more. We'll get a case. A more cider. You know how much I love him. I drafted him. That's got to be worth a couple bucks. Well, I followed up by another young gun, Zutterland, Fabian Zutterland. You know, just as popular as the last one. And then a couple of. Wait, what's this? Philip Denot, Blake Coleman. Brandon Sider might be like the tour. Chara, Connor Garland, Jacob Middleton, Craig Anderson with Buffalo, Huberto, Hathaway. Yeah, not bad. I'll take that young gun, baby. That was a good pack. Finally. Show, show, show it on the cam again. Let me see which one it is. I'll try to hold it steady as I can. It's that damn glare. A gold stockpile. I've never even heard of that. Oh, how do you look it up? So we're looking at a Jamie Drysdale and a Moritz Cider. I'm going to open mine up while we look. And a Fabian Zutterland. <laughs> Fabian Zutterland. Here we go. Pack is opened. Sort of. All right. Cards are coming out. First name, Tyler Bertuzzi. Lobert. Henrik Lundqvist. Whoa. John Klingberg. Okay. Noah Hannafin. This feels hey, like yo. not a good pack. Samuel Gerard. 
Mm. Alex Chieson, mm. Bo Horvat, and Blake Coleman. A nothing burger. Hey, yo. And that's the pack of the week there. Wow, great. Great finds for you guys. Yeah, I don't want to open another pack. I feel like that was my good luck for the night. I got to make I'll, these last a little bit. I'll yeah. go. I'll go two more. All right. Oh, I might go another one now. <laughs> these are like mega packs. There's like 30 <laughs> cards in here. Dry Sidle, Kachuk, Ovi, Pasta, Taylor Radish. Rookie? Yeah. It's them blue ones, though. They're not nothing special. So we need a red one. Yeah, or green or pasta again. Bob. Sergey Bobrovsky. <laughs> Another Bob. <laughs> a blue rookie, Thompson. Logan Thompson. I got three packs left. That, that card... First one I see, hundred bucks on eBay. Whoa! All right, <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> that's good. Card. Oh my god! Yeah, I'm not opening anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go get like ended on a high note. Pack exactly, and I got I got package this somehow. I'm not prepared. I found uh, I found these cases on Amazon. I think they were like ten bucks. Oh, that's what I need. Yeah, Hendrix Lapierre, blue rookie. There I you got go. a. A, a Jan Yannick. It's numbered it though. It's it's numbered. We like that. Okay. Ooh. He's in he's in Arizona, so he could be good. We just Jan never heard Yannick. of him. It won't focus. <laughs> I've never heard of the guy. Maybe he'll be a flyer. Yeah. When they disband. Right. <laughs> we'll we'll take. Uh, Clayton Keller off their hands. I've been oh, yes. handling this card a total different way now. It's like uranium. <laughs> like I'm just like <laughs> so new to this. I would so these things I would assume only increase in value as they get better. That's the idea. Yeah, right? if if he continues, like if he wins a Norris, it'll go up. Mm-hmm. Brayden Shen, Troy Terry, Seth Jones, Wade Allison. Hey, hey yo. The Alley Cat. Wade O. Alley Cat Blues. All right, we got one pack left, I believe. Not too bad. I think we're we're doing pretty good tonight. This Jim, are you good done? Night. Are you done? I'll do one more. Yeah, you gotta do one more. God damn it! I didn't get anything no. there. You're opening them all off off cam. I mean, come on. Yeah, you gotta open your start your Patreon or your OnlyFans. What you opening the damn packs? All right, ready? <laughs> turn the camera on. I'm trying Always to open to... it into the mic. This is like an ASMR video now. Jim, Jim's favorite player, Sidney Crosby, on the pack. Yeah. Oh, you should have burnt that. <laughs> All right, we're going card number one, Eric Stahl. Card mm. number two, Sean Couturier. Coots. All Chuck Fletcher players. Alex Kalorn. Nope. Jake, I swear to God, I opened the same pack before because I got Coots and Voracek in the same pack. <laughs> Jacob Voracek, Darren Helm, Patrick Hornquist, and it looks like another dud of a pack. Jake Mozin and Nikita Kucherov. Oh for two. I'm gonna stop there. Uh, Seth Jones, Nick Backstrom, Jordan Bennington, Carey Price, and a blue authentic profile Kyle Connor. Huh. First one of them I got. I don't know if that's anything special. Authentic profile. Well, we'll look that up. Oh, a little interview, a little one on one. Not too bad though, huh? Not pretty good friggin' night, I would Might say. Might have been the best card I've ever drawn on. I don't even know. Moritz and Drysdale. <laughs> 
I still can't beat the fox. And it was, I swear, it was. So I bought a box like this, right? How much and is I that also, worth, by the way, the fox? Uh, I think I saw, I want to say I saw 50. 50? Um, yeah. I thought it'd be worth I, more than cider here. Well, I'm wondering if, because you had a, a gold something on yours. What was it oh, called? You're right. Yeah, I don't know what that Maybe that's like a more rare card, whereas this is just like a regular young gun. Yeah, that's gun not card. a regular young gun. That's something special. Yeah. Oh my god, I gotta get something. <laughs> Frame it. <laughs> Hang it on the wall. I yeah, I got a kid in the house and two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Put it in the drawer or something. <laughs> right. This is serious. But yeah, pretty good night. More uh cider and drysdale. Not bad at all. Wade Allison was in there. Who was the other guy you got? Fabian who? Oh, Fabian Zutterland. There you go. Devils. Not bad. All right. So pretty uh pretty information packed show. Uh our buddy Marco hung out for a little while. We corrected our mistake and talked about Jonesy and Briere at the beginning of the show. And we opened up some uh, some more card packs. We tore open a couple more packs and got some good ones this week. So hope- hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week with more great topics and maybe another guest. We'll see who we get on. And uh, everybody enjoy the rest of your week. Happy uh, Memorial Day weekend. Safe uh, start to summer. Everybody be careful. And yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Let's go Flyers. Pete Peters. Oh. <laughs> I got that. Amazing. Amazing.